for you. Number one, I wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't for going through that. I don't think I would ever right. have, I would never have gotten into this work. And two, I, I know for a shadow of a doubt, um, again, it's not about me, but through the humility, I was able to weigh make way, way bigger of an impact on people than I did with how I could throw a football, you know? And so I think to people listening, it's, man, where, where's God placed you and how can you be a light to him and, and, and one person at a time? Okay. And so I would say to people when that imposter syndrome kicks in and when that, when those thoughts come yeah. into your mind, number one, what do you do with the thought? You just let it fester and get worse. Or do you take it captive and say, no, 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 I'm not choosing to believe that. Um, and fill it with scripture, number one. And number two, when I go speak, you know, before I get up and speak, I have to remind myself it's not about my personal comfort. I have to remember that my message that I'm sharing is more important than me and my comfort. And so if there's one person... Make your escape. Hey, welcome back to another episode. You are here. You are in the right place at Last in Line Leadership Podcast, where you will be encouraged and inspired to walk in the fullness of the leader you are called to be. This is a place where you will hear about the goodness of God and the hope found in His promises to us. My prayer is that you will be empowered as a servant leader from what you hear in this episode of Last in Line Leadership. Hey, we're honored to have Alex Dimchak today as our guest on Last in Line podcast. He's a former SEC quarterback for the University of Missouri Tigers, uh, played there for a few years, got his degree in communications. Uh, he is an inspiring communicator. Uh, he's a trainer. He has written a couple of books, actually wrote one called Thrive You, which is a uh, devotional uh, from stories from 100 collegiate and professional athletes from across the country. Then he's most recently joined up with John Gordon to write a book called The Sale. Uh, it's actually a fable, and he talks some about it in our episode. It's a fable about a guy going through sales and realizes what priorities matter, what things are eternal, what uh, how money and fame and status isn't all it's cracked up to be if you make that about just the every it make that everything uh, in your life. Uh, Alex is a top keynote speaker and has trained under the John Gordon companies. Um, he delivers keynotes to various companies and universities. Um, but Alex talks a lot about servant leadership here. And so, you know, that fits right in our swim lane. He had some situations at the University of Missouri where he struggled. He had to fight through some desire and temptation to quit the team, but he ended up figuring out what serving was all about and came out on the other side better for it. So I'm excited. You're going to like this conversation. We talk a lot about faith, talk a lot about leadership, talk a lot about just having an eternal perspective. And it's all about a choice in how you see your situation, how you react to your situation, and how you serve in your situation. So welcome. Alex Dimchak to the stage at Last in Line Podcast. Alex Dimsack, welcome to Last in Line Podcast, and I hope I didn't butcher that last name. Hey, you know what? I've heard a lot um, bigger butcher jobs than that, so you did, pre you did pretty good. Okay, what is it? It's Alex Dimchak. Dimchak. Okay, <laughs> well, you know, a 50-50 shot on that. Hey, 50-50 um, shot. I, I will say it, it is Ukrainian, so uh, shout out to... I guess I don't have any family that lives in Ukraine currently, but I definitely 
you know, had a lot of ancestors in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, so that's a terrible, terrible. Yeah. I don't, I hope there's some, you know, her on the horizon. I hope there's some resolution over there, peaceful resolution, yeah. but, um, yeah. well, all right. So you're, we have a mutual friend that referred you and, so you're you're in the hot seat on a servant leadership podcast. So I feel like that might be right in your swim lane. I'm just going to spitball <laughs> and take a take a stab that leadership is in your is in your sweet spot. So um, let's go a little bit. You're I mean you're a former SEC quarterback from University of Missouri. Um, you got into corporate America. Obviously, you wrote a couple books. Uh, you are a keynote speaker for some major corporations and, and universities. Um, John Gordon trained. I mean, you and John Gordon rub elbows. I mean, you can't get a lot better than that. And um, you have a podcast, I think as well. Is that right? I mean, I hit yeah. all those pretty close. You, you, you need to be in like a, a person who introduces people for sports games. You need to be an announcer. I think that was pretty okay. good. That's great. That's great. Yeah. My <laughs> well, voice, I, guess, I, I, guess I don't know. If you're a Texan, I mean, you guys probably have rodeos. You could probably call some of those, you know, in Texas. I would, but. yeah. Maybe an auctioneer. I'll look into that, too. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so I made up for the name butchering uh, with that intro. So I guess let's put my Dr. Phil hat on. Let's get you on the couch and let's unpack Alex here real quick. I mean, kind of go through a little bit of your background and, and you know, how you got to be where you are, why you chose speaking. Cause that's kind of your thing. I mean, I, is that your full-time thing? Tell us, tell the audience what you're all about, man. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. Thanks for teeing that, teeing that up for me. So I guess to go back to my college days, um, I, you know, playing college football was kind of a dream of mine, probably like you, like many of your listeners, I grew up a sports fanatic, you know, yeah. I loved sports and, uh, and, I got the chance to walk on at University of Missouri. And as, as a walk on, it's kind of like you have to earn it every day. Right. And mm -hmm. so going into my, you know, my freshman and sophomore year, life was good. I didn't really have any complaints. It was, I was kind of living the dream, you know, and it kind of like when you're in the, the zone, you're in the sweet spot of the work you're doing or what you're passionate about. It feels good. And that's where I was at. And going into my junior season, you have this yearly check-in meeting with your coaches and it's usually a super chill meeting, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And I walk into this meeting and uh, instead of one coach being there, there was three. So that was different than mm. previous years. And I sit down and one of the coaches is actually closing the door behind him. And so I'm like, that is not a good start to this meeting, I can tell. And so I sit down and, and the coach looks right at me and he says, Alex, I want to shoot you straight. We are bringing in a kid actually from Texas uh, to take your spot. We've over scholarshiped at quarterback. And I'm telling you, man, in that moment, like football was everything to me. That was my life. Alex, the quarterback, Alex, the football player, that was kind of my identity, who I was. Right. And so in that moment, he's essentially telling me you are not good enough. And he said, you have two options um, as far as moving forward. Yeah, option one is your cut. Like, thank you, but no thank you. Option two is you can stay on as this assistant volunteer, no pay coach. Like we could use you. I've been at the program two and a half years. Right. And so at this point, he said, by the way, you need to make a decision what you want to do in this meeting right now. And so as you can imagine, like my mind is racing. I'm like, there's so many emotions. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm confused. Like I've given half my life, like two and a half years of my life to this. And this is what it amounts to, you know? And yeah, I was going to, can I jump in there? Cause I would imagine yeah. to be, to even be considered as a walk on at Missouri, you had to be fairly serviceable in high school. So it's not like you were a, a scrub and a JV all the way through high school. Like you, it sounds like you, you knew what you were doing, taking I mean, snaps. I, so 
I, I mean, I, I came from Illinois. It's not different than, than Texas. I'll say that. You're used to seeing some pretty good football in Texas. Right. So I don't know. You're maybe giving my, me a little bit too much credit there. But, but yeah, it was a dream of mine. And to get to that point and to be part of the SEC and, you know, you're looking across the sideline and Nick Saban's over there. I shook his hand after again, all this cool stuff, right? This pinnacle moment. And then they, they tell you that in that moment. And so in that moment, my mind's racing. What do I do? Do I transfer? Do I leave? Do I quit? I just felt like I was supposed to stay. And so long story short, my entire junior season, I stayed on the team as this volunteer assistant coach. And the first day of practice, um, I like I show up and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to make a positive out of this thing. I'm going to try to make this a, a good situation out of a bad, you know, maybe I'll be a coach. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to go on to be this, this, this coach in college. They make a lot of money. They're successful, all this stuff. And I show up that first day and I'm like, you know what? They probably trust me. I'm a junior in, in college. You know, this is what I'm thinking as a junior in college, you know, I've been <laughs> on the program. They're going to put me up in the press box, have me call plays, all this stuff. I show up and one of the assistant coaches, he says, Alex, I want to show you what your job's going to be. And he hands me this yellow flag and he hands me this flag. And he says, Alex, during practice, we need you to take this flag. And when someone jumps off sides, you're going to take this flag and you're going to throw it down. <laughs> and and he, the worst part is he demonstrated how to do it twice. And I was like, well, I think I can handle that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot there, coach. And so anyway, Long story short, my entire junior season, I was in practice throwing this darn flag in street clothes while all my buddies are suited out in front of all these thousands of people living out their dream. I'm printing off copies. I'm making coffee for the coaches. I'm doing all these small tasks that I'll be honest, man. Like there were so many times where I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, why? Like, I'm too good. That was kind of my mentality. Like, I'm too good to be doing this. But I, I finally came to a point where I said, you know what? I have to just I'm here. So I got to make the most of it. I got to add value. And so I was just there I, for the first time in my life. I was slowed down and I was able to maybe a guy that was injured on the team. I was able to connect with, maybe I wouldn't have ever had time for him in the, before, but now mm -hmm. I was just on the sideline. How can I help people and serve people? And so that entire junior season goes by and I'll say this, the amount of uh, just through the sheer humility of the situation, the people you connect with on the team, like the, the thing that the, the relationships that were built with guys who are playing the NFL today. Um, I watched Thursday night football last night with, you know, one of my buddies. Um, and I look back, that was also the time where I started working on my first book because I had more time. When I look at the whole situation, fast forward to my senior year, I knew that I wanted to get back on the team as this quarterback. And so as I was doing this assistant coaching, I was still working out with the team within all the NCAA guidelines. And long story short, I get back on the team my senior year as a quarterback. We go to the Citrus Bowl. We have this awesome, just like a really fun senior year. But the reason I, I start with that story for all your listeners is this. I had to learn for the first time that leadership, like true leadership requires no title, like showing up day in and day out, doing the work. Like, I don't care where you're out in the org chart, on the depth chart, it does not matter. And so I think to answer your question, what got you into speaking, man, every corporate America place I go speak to, I, I bring that flag because John, like, to be honest, I don't think I would be on this podcast with you today if it wasn't for me being completely humiliated, embarrassed, like I got cut, like I was told I'm not good enough. Yeah. But I had to learn, man, like that's going to happen in life too. And, and the same with any sales team or organization, like there are, there are setbacks. And so are you going to have, are you going to allow these failures to define you or refine you? And I'm not saying I did it perfectly, man, but I, I've tried. How can I let these moments be refining in my life? Yeah. So I 
improve and get better in those of ways. Of course, of course. No, that's well said, man. And and you ought to consider speaking for a living. Um, you did <laughs> really well articulating that. Uh, hey, uh, out of trivia curiosity, wasn't by any chance Chase Daniel, was it? So he was there probably six years before I was. Oh, but, he's that but, old. Wow. But he, okay. he of course, well, yeah, he was there. I finished in like he's Texas. He so was yeah, dude, he's one of those South Lake boys, man. If, if he, yeah. if he would have for sure taken my spot. No questions asked. He's okay. Still in the NFL. okay. <laughs> but no, well, I have, yeah, I've connected with Chase in the past, and he's a great, great dude. That's awesome. Well, man, I guess let me ask you this too, because as you're going through, you're learning leadership the hard way, and mm. that's really probably not something most people in the moment are going to go to a family reunion and start bragging about. And <laughs> and but you're you're putting in the you know paying your dues. Uh, did anybody cross your path that even before maybe then that sort of was a picture of leadership, true leadership, servant leadership for you? Like what in your mind kind of went off that said, I think that's what a leader looks like. Give me an idea. Yeah. I feel like I, I was just blessed with an awesome family. So I had so many great examples um, just from a young age. But I think when I got into high school and college and I was a quarterback, I really did look up to Tim Tebow a lot and, and his leadership and got the chance when I was at Mizzou to work out with him, him and his dad, actually, for about two and a half hours. And so oh, we're, throwing cool. around, we're working out. It was just us three. It was really special for me as, you know, just uh, imagine with your role model for two and a half hours. But what was funny about that story is, and this is a quick little leadership thing I learned from him is, you know, somehow I guess it got out on Twitter that he was on campus. And so we're working out and he gets out on Twitter, Tim Tebow is at Mizzou campus or whatever. And so these two team nutritionists, they saw that and got into the facility. It was like eight o'clock at night. No one else was there. It was locked. Somehow get in. And of course, you know, they never would have said hi to me normally in a normal day, but they come run up and, Oh, Alex, what a coincidence to see you here. How great to see you. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, but whatever. And, All right. So my audience is perfectly fine with you admitting that you leaked that on Twitter. Like they're yeah, fine no, with you I, saying I, I did, that. He I did there. not leak it on Twitter. I don't know who did. Someone, someone spotted him or I don't know how it happened. I'm just but I think That's he was funny. there for, I think SEC nation the next day or something, but anyway, that's great. Um, but yeah, we're in the weight room. These, these two nutritionists walk up and what do they say? Alex, can we get you anything? Can we get you a protein shake from the weight room? And I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. They would never do this. But I'm like, you know what? I got to take advantage of this situation. So I was like, you know what? I'll do strawberry banana. That sounds great. And they looked at Tim and he's a really humble, nice guy. And he was like, well, what kind of shakes do you guys have? And they said the brand and I'm not going to repeat it, uh, but uh -huh. he, they said the brand of the shake. And he said, ah, oh, like, I'm so sorry, but I would never put those complex sugars in my body. <laughs> and these poor nutritionists, they didn't know what to say because they're studying nutrition. And here's like this celebrity telling yeah. them. You probably shouldn't give that to your athletes. Right. And, uh, and you're and like, so I, never mind on my order. I don't want to either. Dude, that, yeah. That's literally what I said. I was literally like, I'm good too. I'm watching my figure as well. And so I think what I learned at that moment is that a guy like that, he knew what he stood for. And so in that moment, a free protein shake, he was on Good Morning America that morning. He flew to Nashville. He flew to Columbia, Missouri when we were together. And it's like, he could have easily been so hungry, but he's like, no, I'm going to forgo that because I want to be the best version of myself. And he was on the strict keto diet. And so I have always remembered that lesson from him that when you know what you stand for, decision-making becomes crystal clear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I mean, not a bad guy to look at uh, and and kind of base your leadership around some of his qualities. Not a bad one to go by. Um, you know, I, I guess along your journey, um, tell me how, like, talk about after college. Like, so I'm assuming went to work in corporate America, kind of, punching a clock, so to speak. Uh, 
you know, cause I don't, I'm going to assume I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm going to assume you didn't start out right out of college with a speaking, you know, business and a, a, a book deal. So man, what, what kind of refined you, as you say, along the way before you sort of are living the dream of entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's a great question. So I started in corporate America, like you said, doing sales for about five years at a great company in the mortgage industry, actually. And what's really cool about this story and the way you framed that is John Gordon spoke at Mizzou. Uh, he's, you know, number five keynote speaker in America, spoke at Mizzou when I was there. So we connected and then we just stayed in touch. And so I, I just sent him an email and said, hey, I would love to do the work you're doing. How can I, you know, can I help? And he said, are you willing to work for free? And I said, absolutely. And so literally I would start doing things for free, sales oriented type LinkedIn, all this different stuff for him. And what's cool is just as we built that trust together and he saw that I was, I really wanted this, he would start to give me more and more opportunities. So as I was in corporate America doing sales on the side for four years, I did a side hustle. Of, of, I, I started doing small speaking engagements. I go to my local, whatever church, local fellowship of Christian athletes, local school, and just speak yeah. on whatever and just get reps. And I would do it for free and I would just show up and I would put in the work. And, and so four years of doing that with, you know, the full-time job, December of 2021, uh, December 21st, actually, I just, I walked out of the corporate America doors for the last, last day. And I haven't looked back and, and what I tell people is that, like, to your point, I didn't just come out of college with these things. I took a public speaking class in Mizzou and in college. So that was, that kind of got my juices flowing. Mm -hmm. But I tell people all the time, it's like, is there a direction? If there's something over here that you're passionate about, but you're in a current job and you're like, you know what? I really want to do this over here. How can you move in a step towards that direction? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not quitting your job tomorrow. Cause I didn't, I did it yeah. for four years. I grew I mean, I didn't do it perfectly, but uh, at some point it got to the point where I was, I just couldn't handle it. I, t t if I knew long-term, I wanted to be a speaker and author. I had to give up the, cause, cause honestly my, my full-time job, which is a great employer. It was, it was a crutch for me. It was, I need the insurance, the health benefits, all this stuff. At the end of the day, I had to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to bet on myself. And so, yeah, yeah that would be my message to people. Yeah. If you have this burning desire, don't think you have to quit tomorrow because there's really valuable things. I learned so many good things in four years of a sales job that now really jumpstarted my speaking career. Cause a big part of speaking in a lot of ways is sales and marketing and putting out content. It's not, I mean, to get on the stage, there's a lot of things that go into that. It's not just, you say, I'm going to speak and people are knocking down your door to book you. It's like, sure. no, no, no. it's sending out free copies of your book to people. It's yeah. being on podcasts, it's doing all these things. So as, as you know, as yeah. well, so well i and i agree like i mean i've been in sales for like 20 i guess five or six years and wow. uh you know I, i've i've one of my bosses years ago said you know all sales is is really the transfer of passion mm. from one person to another and really that's what you're doing in say in speaking you know you've got a passionate calling you know something to say that's meaningful and you're just transferring that to an audience and and really that's what we're doing in sales so that was good training and i will say you say you worked for free. I would even go far enough to say you got a PhD on the streets, which you would have had to pay for that piece of paper. If you'd have gone and got a doctorate in a college, you actually got a doctorate from John Gordon uh, that didn't cost you anything except time. So I, I never, no one's ever told me that, but that's, I love how you break that down. Cause you're, you're right. It's like, I learned things, you know, helping him le learning about the back end of the business from him and see how he runs it in an efficient way that I would have never learned if I was on YouTube. Right. And so I think yeah. that's the message to people as well. It's like, you have someone that you see out there doing what you want to do. It's like, reach out to them, see what you can do for free to add value. And, you know, I have a buddy who's a, he's a YouTuber and he, uh, 
you know, has done the same thing for this, like really, 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 really famous YouTuber with millions of followers. And he's just gone in and he's added value. He adds value, adds value. And now his channels are going on through the roof. So it That's just awesome that to adding value to people in that way. Yeah. Well, and, and this is a good segue into something that, uh, can you really segue into something if it wasn't planned? So we'll, we'll table that for another day, but I wouldn't really plan to talk, go this route right now, but talking about, you had to get around him to get like him. And so talking about our faith, this is, this is faith podcast. I mean, it's a servant leadership podcast. Mm. So to get like God, we got to get around him. We got to get near mm. We got to get close. We got to do these disciplines of praying and reading and, and really getting around the the body of Christ. Like talk about your faith, faith journey a little bit. It sounds like you grew up in a, in a solid foundation of a family around faith. Um, oh. What, what I guess talk is, I mean, being in college at a big school and being in athletics, that's got to be tugging on you in different directions and there's plenty of temptation. So what was the hardest part about being kind of locked into your faith going through that season of life? And and what are you proudest of? Yeah, man, that's a loaded, but great question. And yeah, going back to faith journey, you know, grew up in an amazing, uh, uh, amazing parents that just, um, raised us me and my sister in the word and around church and youth group and, Mm-hmm. Uh, vacation Bible, all these different things from a young age. And so by the time I got to college and I had a firm foundation, largely because my parents helped me foster that. And um, but yeah, I would say the hardest thing when I got to college was, you know, that line of wanting to be part of as close as I can with guys on the team. But how do, there's a certain level where, yeah, you know, with some of the things that they're doing, you're like, man, I can't support those. So how do, so just like feeling, I remember just feeling bad, like, man, I, I would, I, w- I want to go to this party because I want to like just hang sure. out with the boys, but is that the right thing? And so I always struggled with that and still, you know, had, have worked through that. But, you know, I would say, man, something I'm proud of. I mean, just, I don't know, man, that the whole, I guess the whole story of being brought low and coming through to the end is not a t- testament to me, a testament to God and what, and, and the ways that, that he works. And because and, the thing is like God, sometimes I mean, he's not on your timing or on time, but he's never late. And, um, I just think to your point on getting around people who, um, just push you in your faith. It's like, I was just at the gym 30 minutes ago with, uh, one of the pastors at the church. And it's like, man, I, that, that was the highlight of my day being, being with him, just, you know, and, and rubbing shoulders with people who between bench press sets, we're talking about Randy Alcorn's book called heaven and how, you know, and how it's been, you know, just really yeah. helpful for both of us. And it's like, those are the conversations that, that I, that I love having that feed my soul. And That's good. so, yeah, man, not, again, none of us are perfect, but I just think, gosh, yeah. like, that's like a muscle. The more you're working out, the more you're around it, the that's more right. you're going to go, you know? That's right. Right. And, and you said loaded question and, and I guess it could have been loaded if I just said, what are you most ashamed of? And, yeah. and so we didn't go there. So I teed you up <laughs> nicely to walk into what you're proud of. Um, and the other thing too, is what I like about your story and and the little the yellow flag, I like that that you carry that into your speaking engagements as sort of a prop and a yeah. symbol. But that's really cool because it's a good reminder to where you came from. Um, you could have answer, entered the transfer portal if it was even a thing back then, and I know it wasn't, but you didn't like just trash the idea of I'm on a college football team and I'm not doing the things college football players get to do on, on a Saturday. Uh, so you had an opportunity to pull the ripcord and, and jump out of that situation, but you stuck it out. And I think, I mean, to the audience, that's, that's a huge takeaway is like, you just knew that the grind, you were all about the grind and you didn't really necessarily care about the result at the moment. 
you knew yep. you were supposed to be there and you were going to put in time and maybe, you know, maybe that spoke volumes to your coaches, maybe to your teammates. Maybe they looked at you and you're like, this guy has every reason to be terrible attitude, every reason to be, you know, in a bad mood, but he's serving. So we may never know who that impacted, but yeah. I got to say people to, to whoever's listening, you may not get to know, you know, yeah. it's all about the grind and how it keeping your head down and doing the right things. And somebody sees it always somebody's yeah. watching. So. Hey, before we get back to the conversation here with our guest, I want to thank uh, one of our sponsors, a new partner, Uncommon, which is a ministry that is equipping uh, and empowering great men to become the husbands, the fathers, and leaders they were called to be. Go to uncommon.org. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-E-N.org. Check out their content. Go to Uversion. Download their devotionals. Great team, great people, great men, and they're out there for you. They're out there with great content, and they're out there to encourage us to be the men we were called to be. So I want to thank TJ and his team at Uncommon. So now let's get back to the conversation with our great guest here at Last in Line. Podcast. That's yeah. so good. Because we're, man, that's, that's, thanks for saying that. That's a huge encouragement to me, but I think we are so, um, we emphasize the worldly like, like treasures of how can I gain and how can I this mm. platform, but like, man, what, and something I've been just reading lately and how I've been convicted of is like, how can I look forward to like heavenly treasures? And how often am I thinking about that? Like, you know, when Jesus says lay up your treasures in heaven, how often am I practically doing that? Or am I just trying to accumulate? And so you saying that means a ton. And, but I totally agree. Number one, I wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't for going through that. I don't think I would ever right. have, I would never have gotten into this work. And two, I know for a shadow of a doubt, um, again, it's not about me, but through the humility, I was able to make way way bigger of an impact on people than I did with how I could throw a football, you know? And so I think to people listening, it's, man, where's God placed you and how can you be a light to him? And and, and one person at a time, I think, because we think about social media following and how can I go viral? It's like, well, what about like one person at a time? Like Jesus made his ministry. He'd go out and heal and help people like, yeah, he spoke to crowds, but he also was just like there for the person that touched his cloak. And he said, who touched, you know? And yeah. so what does it, it look like for us? One person at a time to just yeah. be that light, to, to share God's love one person at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I mean, you sound like you were pretty mature, uh, maybe beyond your years when you were going through some of that. Cause you know, in the flesh, most, I don't know, 20 year olds, 21 year olds, you know, like I said, had multiple options on how to react to that. Um, but did, did it ever enter your mind at the time that I think this might be a test? Like, did you ever consider that? Like, I don't know if that's pretty mature thinking. I don't know if I think that as an adult, like, were you yeah. ever going down that mental thought track? Yeah, I will say it was just by, yeah, by God's grace. When I found out the news that I was cut and I remember, you know, I essentially went in my truck, I parked somewhere. I remember just crying, feeling humiliated. I do remember to this day, like a piece, um, and staying there and not, you know, leaving, you know, I, even though it was like humiliating, it was like really hard for me to accept, especially because the, the person who took my spot wasn't better than me. So that was even harder. And, and I'm not saying that in a braggadocious way. People, many people were like, hey, yeah, why sure. did you, you know, so absolutely that was hard. And that was a very low point because now in practice, I had to make him and other quarterbacks look better, right? While I'm on the sidelines doing nothing. And so that was hard. Um, but I definitely felt peace that there'd be like little things that I think God was speaking through other people. They would say, Hey man, 
I see you sticking with it. Like, thanks for, thanks for sticking it out. Like the, these little wow. comments people would make or like, yeah. man, I would, I would have been out of here. Like, it's really cool. You stuck with it. Like though that one comment would like get me through the next week, <laughs> you know, because That's I was great. so like, what, what am I doing here? But just to, to hear that validation. And so, yeah, man, it was, it was really special. That's that cool. Part. Yeah. Well, so I noticed you wrote a devotional, right. Um, kind of around like a sports theme, right. Are they, is it, is it, uh, let's go into some of that and then let's go into your book called the sale that I think what you wrote with co-wrote co-author yep. with John Gordon. Um, dude, did you ever consider yourself an author and, <laughs> and what sort of feedback are you hearing from, from maybe both of those? Yeah. So the first book is called thrive you and it's a daily devotional book. It's, it's a hundred different athletes, college and professional athletes that I put together their stories in kind of like a daily devotional format. So that's been so fun just because that's kind of what helped me get into speaking as well at youth groups, things like that. So that was fun because I got a feature of a hundred different friends of mine. Some of them I didn't know, but for the most part, I was, I'm friends with all of them in there. So that was really fun. And then the sale, um, you know, I've been like, like we talked about, and I've been on John Gordon's leadership team for about seven years now where he's mentored me and I've been able to learn from him. And so when we started working on this idea, he has 25 books. And so this was his 26th. And my second, when we kind of started working on this, it was just like, how cool is this? The message of the book of building trust that we fostered is now the message of this book, The Sale. And so it's not just a book about sales. It's a fable that we wrote about a main character named Matt who's in sales. And long story short, at, things are great at work, but terrible at home. You know, his his wife pretty much says, you need to start providing for us. You need to provide. He goes, providing? You know, I, I made more money this month than most people make in a year. Like, don't tell me I'm not providing. <laughs> like, that's his stance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, 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 no. I need to be here for our family. Like, if, if something doesn't change, like, I'm changing. We're getting divorced. So he has this ultimatum. But things at work are going great. And he's about to land the sale of a lifetime. Why it's called the sale. This sale, he's in a very lucrative industry. It would make him $7 million. So that's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's a lot of money. I know where you come from, but yeah. $7 million sale. The only problem is to move forward with the sale, him and his team would have to lack integrity in some pretty major ways. And so there's, there's this storyline of, does he do it? Does he not? And uh, during the process, there's this mentor named Randy who teaches him these laws and principles about integrity, about building trust. And so I can't tell your listeners what ends up happening because I'll yeah. check out the book, but it's so cool to see the transformation of the main character when it comes to these different principles about integrity and how, man, it really sets you up for the long haul in that way. And so that's why this book has been so fun in corporate America and, and speaking because it's just, it applies to any industry, you know, like building trust, being a cohesive team. Like these are all things that every sales manager in America wants for their team. And so it's just been so fun, whether it's a sports team or an organization to share some of these principles and, and yeah. what's really cool about these two books, maybe, and I know you're, you're an author as well. Um, about a year and a half ago, I started a company called writemybooks.com. And so what we do is we help people write and publish their book in a 16 week process. And so that's so fun because I love promoting my books and, and speaking on those, but I also love the other people. I love helping, you know, them share their story. And we help, we have a team now of people that are writers and editors and project managers. And it's so fun. So if any of your listeners are like, man, I want to write a book someday, don't know where to start. Would love to talk with them as well, just because we just feel like there's so much news in the world, but man, we just want to tell more story and push, push awesome stories forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, there's gotta be a market for that. Um, I'm sure there's not, I'm sure it's not the only company that helps people do that, but I, I would think that there's a good 
market in a niche spot for, you know, just kind of that pocket of demographic or, you know, a person who's sort of starting out. I don't know. But uh, did you start that by yourself, um, that company? Yeah, I'm the co-founder with Will Severns. He lives in Kansas City and I live in Columbia, Missouri. So yeah, we're the co-founders. And yeah, it's just been so cool how God's blessed that in the year and a half we've, you know, um, and operating that and growing the team. And it's just been so yeah. fun. And, and ultimately it's like how God is connecting us with people that they have a story, Yeah. And able, whether it's ghostwriting or editing, all these different things, helping these people get their message out into the world. It's just been so fun. Yeah. So about the book, the sale, um, yep. did, did you incorporate, let's, let's say this, how did you incorporate maybe some of your own challenges or struggles maybe to this point? And what did you maybe find out about yourself through that process or, or what did you, what did Matt teach you, even though he's this, you know, fictional guy, but what through his life did you maybe take away from it? Yeah. That's, Is that that's a weird a great, question? Is that no, a weird it's, a question? Great, it's a great question because we wrote the main character, Matt, in a way that we hope everyone would resonate in some way with Matt. And so, yeah, I'm excited for you to, to get the book as well. Cause I, I think, you know, in some ways I was like, man, I'm kind of writing Matt about myself in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, because last September I, I, I started, I'd wake up in the morning and I would have this racing heartbeat and it was the weirdest thing. Like I've never had anything like that before. Racing heartbeat wasn't even thinking about anything. Mm. And I go to the doctor and they do an EKG. They're like, everything looks fine. Mm. And they're like, what are you doing for work? And I named off the eight juggling things I was trying to juggle. And they're like, well, that's your problem. And they're like, if you don't, they they said this, they said, if you don't scale back, this is going to scale you back. Really? And so that was, that was, that I had to, yeah, just listen and take that and, and I had to make some changes. And so that was in September, a few yeah. months later, I ended up quitting my job. And a large reason because I, I had kind of that, whoa, what's going on? I, I'm trying to do too much. And uh, so, yeah, I think in a lot of ways I can resonate with that main character of like trying to have success, trying to do these things, but at what cost, you know, and at what yeah. cost. And I think a lot of us can maybe find ourselves there like, man, this pursuit of this good thing. Man, are are we not leaving room for the great things? And I think for right. you and I, you know, it's our it's our faith. That's where man what a shame it would be to like do all these things make all this money have success but then look back and be like whoa yeah my 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 daughter doesn't know me you know like how, yeah. how sad would that be like you'd give away all the money in the world to, to change yeah. so um yeah man i think that's kind of the message of the book and and for leaders whether they're yeah whether they're a christian or not you know and where they're at in their faith journey you know everyone yeah. has faith you know some people have faith that there is no god some people have faith in god and so everyone some extent has faith, right? Right. When you, really, when you really think about it, whether they want to admit it or not, they they, they believe in something. And uh, yeah. so I think this book is hopefully for anyone who's just like, man, maybe they're on this path to success, but it's like, at what cost? And are you thinking about the way in which you're leading and living your yeah. life? Yeah. Well, good. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned some of Matt's journey in the book, because uh, when you want to blame me, it's going to be your fault that I brought this up. So we're going here. Uh, so did you ever have sort of a hard conversation with your wife along the journey? Like, were you juggling too many balls in the air and were you neglecting certain responsibilities or just kind of talk about fatherhood and husbandry? I don't know if you have kids, uh, but talk about if you don't what you know about fatherhood and what you want to be like. Uh, Let's go that route. Let's talk about maybe those hard conversations you might've had with your wife or, or just maybe some moments where you felt a little friction. Yeah, I think like naturally I'm kind of the dreamer. And so a lot of times when I bring things, you know, to my wife, like, oh, what do you think? You know, uh, she's like, well, how is this logistically going to work out? She's 
smart in that way. Um, and so, but no, I, I would say the conversations usually revolve around like, wow, do you think you can handle taking on another thing <laughs> and her wisdom in that way? So no, there, when I say I can relate to Matt, it wasn't quite at the extent of what it is in the book. Sure. Sure. But, but when it comes to, yeah, what do I, yeah, I do have a two-year-old daughter and uh, which is so fun and, and crazy at times, but man, I just think about, yeah, who do I want to be when it comes to being a father? I mean, man, if I could try to display Jesus and, and, and be, be present, I think even when I think about my speaking business, I have buddies who are doing 150, 200 speaking engagements a year and they're not home. And I, I just don't desire that. And so I think yeah. even just having healthy rhythms of great community and, you know, being at church every Sunday with, with my family and, and being in small group and all these things, man, that's what it's about. And, and yeah. God will provide just like he provided manna. Uh, he'll provide yeah. our daily bread that we need. And so to, to try to get caught up in how much can I make this year that it's just like, Oh man, it's exhausting. It's a hamster wheel. And, uh, and when you can get off that hamster wheel and be like, God, I'm open to what you have for me. Show me where to go. It's pretty cool what he'll show you. Cause I, I did that when I quit my job, I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I just hope that you'll, I pray that you'll provide. And it's just pretty cool how God shows up. And when you, when you, and again, I'm not, I haven't done it perfectly, but it's a daily thing. Are you trusting? Are you, are you depending on him? Mm-hmm. And so I to be able to pass that down to my future kiddos as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sounds like you had a good model uh, growing up. Um, sounds like your family probably, exhibited some of the character that you're going to take into fatherhood and, you know, even further. Uh, Cause I would imagine you're probably not done with one. I don't know. I'm just putting words in your mouth and I'm just like prophetically <laughs> speaking a huge family over you now. Um, I have four, so I can say that, uh, but nice. <laughs> I know, I know you're a little behind. Um, so I, I did a, uh, I posted something today. Um, not when they're listening to this. So probably, couple or a week or so before people are actually listening to this, but about imposter syndrome. Um, sure. You've heard it's kind of a buzzword last couple of years. Uh, maybe it's been around longer. We shouldn't call it that, but yeah. When you mentioned the people doing the 200 speaking engagements a year, and obviously you made, you know, by choice, you kind of are going a different direction, which I don't blame you, you know, good for you. Um, you ever suffer with that? Maybe, maybe sticking to that theme, like how do you help somebody through, man, I just don't, man, what do I have to say? You know, what, what right do I have to give suggestions or advice or encouragement? You know, look at my life. It's been a wreck. It may not be now, but here's where I came from. And, you know, I don't know, speak to that because I think it's pretty popular uh, condition people are going through. Yeah, that's a great word. And one thing that I've had to come back to, you know, when I first got into speaking, I, I battled with all those thoughts of, man, am I the right person to be here? Like I'm speaking at this association of dental workers association or like, why, why do they want me? Like, what, what can I, what can, or, you know, one of my first ever speaking engagements was to a group of seven CEOs and there was only seven people in the room. I'm like, holy smokes. Like, you know, I just turned 30. So at the time I was probably like 27. I'm like, why do these guys want to listen to me? You know? Wow. And, um, and, but I will say the the feedback I got after that talk was so encouraging for them to say, listen, your age does not matter. It's your message that you need to continue to share all over, all over the country. And so that's mm-hmm. what kind of sent me off. And so I would say to people when that imposter syndrome kicks in and when that, when those thoughts come yeah. into your mind, number one, what do you do with the thought? Do you just let it fester and get worse? Or do you take it captive and say, no, 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 I'm not choosing to believe that. Um, and fill it with scripture, number one. And number two, when I go speak, you know, before I get up and speak, 
I have to remind myself it's not about my personal comfort. I have to remember that my message that I'm sharing is more important than me and my comfort. And so if there's one person in that audience, if I'm at a high school and there's one kid who maybe is struggling and, and, and just needs encouragement, not saying anything special about me, but if, if, if bringing me in and me saying something clicks with them and, and, and changes the trajectory of their day, their month, their life, you know, yeah. um, then, then I would hope that I would not stay comfortable in those moments. I hope I would rise above that and say, yeah. you know what? Screw imposter syndrome. They asked me to come speak here. I'm going to give it my best while I'm here. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be obedient in that way. And that's all I can control. And what happens after that, they can boo me off the stage if they want. They can throw tomatoes. I don't know, but I'm going to show up and do the work that I feel like I've been called to. And I think anyone can approach that and, and apply that to their work that they do, whether it's sales or speaking or being the, the garbage man, it doesn't matter. Like it, it applies. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that just reinforces and it's amazing how God can confirm something through somebody else when you least expect it. Because I told my son who is a youth pastor and he, you know, gets a little nervous and a little anxiety before he preaches on a Sunday. And I said, hey, just in case you're ever getting nervous, like you understand that your message isn't about you. It's not about because pride is really what all that fear is attached to. The fear of speaking in front of people or presenting is really just your pride and you don't want to look stupid or embarrassed. But if you make it more about the people that are hearing it and what you have to say that you feel like God gave you to say, you're just a vessel. And you know what? That sort of takes the the pressure off like that frees you up to know somebody in the audience is getting something God's using you. So it's not about you. And so I told yeah. him that, and that's exactly what you're saying. And, and I think, you know, there's comfort in that because let's face it, public speaking is probably one of the biggest fears known to man out there right now. It's not spiders. Probably it's public speaking. Like I, you know, some people would rather have hold a handful of tarantulas than get up in front of 10 people. And, and so, I mean, would you agree with that? How'd you get over that? Do you have any anxiety? I mean, I know you took Man, a class, that, but no, that's funny. Yeah. Tarantulas would be terrifying for me. So I would speak right. in front of thousands and of course you would. And so would I just, yeah. just not to hold a spider, but um, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, the public speaking class and, and when I was in college, I think revealed to me that I enjoyed it. And like I was in a class with like 27 students and 25 of the kids in the class dreaded it. And they were like communication majors, but they <laughs> still like were, they did not like doing that. And I was like, wow, I'm a communication major, business minor. And 25 out of the 27 kids that are communication majors are like nervous, scared, don't want to do it. Yeah. So I heard this quote soon after that was like, find something that other people are either like scared to do or not good at and like double down on that. I think it was like a John Maxwell quote. And I'm like, well, I think speaking could be, a f could fit into that. You know, a lot of people don't want to do it. They kind of just want to like find someone to do it for them or bring someone in. And it's just been really fun. And in a lot of ways, speaking for me kind of uh, it's like a similar endorphin rush that like football training was, you know, you prepare for the opponent in football, you watch film, you get to know their ins and outs. You get, to, and then you, then you, travel to the event the travel to the stadium you yeah. show up you get, you get suited up you go out and you perform you have like the rush after the event and so it's the same for speaking man which is so fun for me um because i feel like i can still keep that athletic momentum and that mindset going man because it really does carry over in big ways yeah and you've got you know you've got some pretty impressive logos on your website so you may have to put your money where your mouth is on this one uh Spoke for the Reds, like Cincinnati Reds. You were tell tell me about that experience. I'm a baseball nut, so oh audience, cool. You can audience, you can you know ignore this. This is for me here, but talk about some of that and how rewarding that might have been. Yeah, so cool, man. It was it was actually during the pandemic. 
And then I think, uh, well, I'm actually grew up a Cardinals fan. So yeah, Reds was awesome. But um, more recently in the, in the past few months, I did a thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Um, they're kind of their beverage staff. And so it was at Bush stadium. It was pretty special. And, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, you know, the, the first base, oh, yeah. awesome dude. He, he got a hold of the sale and, uh, I got a signed copy to him and no he way. reached out and said, man, this is awesome. So he, he loved it. So that was cool to just hear that from a, a big dude, leaguer and stuff like he that. Went to, he went to high school, like 15 minutes down the road from me. Oh, no way. Oh yeah. The Woodlands high school. Yeah. So I don't know if you talked to him, but. Let him know. Yeah. You, you know, I know he, he, uh, I like that guy a lot. So he got your book. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. It was the, uh, he wasn't there for my talk, but it, like someone that was on staff who like is in the locker room every day, I was like, Hey, can you give this to your boy? And he's like, Oh that's yeah. Awesome. It. Yeah. It was cool. But, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's just in those moments when you, when you, when you step into that arena, you're like, wow, what am I doing here? I don't deserve to be here, but it's like, when you show up and, and do what you feel like you're called to do, it's just cool to hear some of the the feedback that people will give you. Cause you're just yeah. like, well, this was confirming on why I showed up here and did this. Yeah. Well, uh, so give me some ideas on, in the audience, you know, what are you hearing? What are some of the feedbacks you're hearing from maybe people who have read the sale, uh, some of your speaking engagements? Cause I would imagine, you know, we've, we've seen a snapshot of what those speakers, you know, speaking engagements look like today, but what are some of the feedback that you're hearing about aha moments in the audience? Yeah, man, it's, it's so cool. I would say it starts in a lot of ways with people who read the book. You know, I just get emails, texts, all, all kinds of reach outs, people that reach out just saying how they really resonated with the story and how, you know, kind of some people kind of rattled them a little bit and got to them in, in a good way you know, and, and made them think about some things in their own life. And that was the goal. That was the whole goal of the book is that when someone reads it, they become introspective of their own life and how can they make changes and how can they live a life of integrity? And that's the message of the book. And, and so I would say on that front, it's just so fun to hear from people, you know, you write a book, you hear what people think of it. And, but then when they ask you, Hey, I love the message of the book. Now, can you come in and speak to my team? Like it's such an honor and I don't take that lightly. And so I think just hearing, you know, from these speaking engagements, you, you, you meet so many people, whether it's former athletes in the audience who come up to you and are like, man, that flag thrower story, that, that was me. I went through the same thing. You just connect with people on that level. And I just think, man, it's the relationships, the people that you meet. There's so many people that I go out and speak at an event. Afterwards, they come up and they're like, you know what? I've been wanting to write a book. And before I was kind of just like, cool, we'll keep working hard. But now I have like a resource where I can be like, yeah. hey, our team would love to get on a call with you. Just hear about what you want to do. We'd love to make it happen. So yeah. just so many God things, man, orchestrated just to just been so cool. So. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine there being much better of a compliment than someone read the book and then say, Hey, I want you to come share this or I want you to come speak at yeah. our you know company. Like that's a pretty, that's pretty good reinforcement that you're onto something uh, when they want you to show up and, and want more of what you have to say. Um, well, as, as we kind of close up shop a little bit and put a bow on this, um, maybe you could land the plane for the audience a little bit and give them some solid takeaway for adversity and resilience. I mean, you lived it, uh, you wrote about it, you speak about, so other than what we've talked about to this point, is there anything that maybe we've left out that you think might have somebody leave different than when they sat down to listen to this? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways I could take that question, but I would say the biggest thing that comes to mind as you were saying that is God has us each in our own lanes. He has us exactly where he has you and I exactly where we're supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. And, and every moment that we spend comparing our lives to others and looking to social media and all these other things for gratification and looking around and saying, why can't I have that or this or that, or I deserve this or that, or yeah. I need this or that, right? We do that. We do those things and kind of get entitlement. You know, a quote that I love is, is comparison is the thief of joy and comparison is the thief of joy. And for any, anyone listening, you know, 100%. yeah, just remember that as, as you go into your day, your week or whatever, whenever, however you're listening to this, it's like comparison is the thief of joy. Understand the blessings and, and, and recognize the blessings that you have. You don't have to do all these things in your life. You get to like you get the privilege to show up and do your job, to have ears listen to this podcast, you know, and it's like, man, just just remember that you are a blessing to be a blessing to others. And, and don't forget that in your leadership. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, my audience knows you use the D word that I hate and it's ugly stepbrother entitlement. You use the D word deserve. Uh, and I, I, yeah, that one gets all over me as I'm sure it does you, but the entitlement and deserve that we're in a, we're plagued with it right now in society and our, our next generation, I would say is the the recipient of some of that. And, and hopefully we can change, uh, you know, course correct and, and change the narrative that they're being force fed right now. So, Tell us where to find you. Tell us how to hire you. Tell us where to buy the book. I mean, all those things that that you know that we need to know to hear more about your story. Yeah, thanks. So you can get the book anywhere books are sold. The sale, uh, thesalebook.com is the website. But my speaking website is just alexspeaking.com. So that's where you can find that. And for anyone that is like, you know what, I would love to write a book someday, or I know someone that wants to write a book. It's writemybooks.com is where you can find us. We'd love to hear your story and how we can help you launch it into the world. So yeah, man, super grateful to, cool. to be on here today. Cool. Is there a hyperlink at all for Write My Books on your main website? Okay. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So, yep. And I can cool. shoot that over to you as well so you have it. No, it's good. And I'll put it in the show notes. So hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's been awesome to meet you. I mean, God doesn't make accidents and he did this for a reason and it's been a blessing to really cross paths with you and i shout out to the man the myth the legend jason romano from the sports spectrum for connecting us he's a great man and we love what he does so audience he's been alex dimchak see i got it right we've been last in line be blessed make your escape